with another episode of ODRC Voices, and we're sitting down now with Captain Rizzo from Belmont Correctional Institution. Captain Rizzo, how are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Well, we want to hear a, a, a unique story, a powerful story um, of, of something that you have done. But before we dive into that, uh, share us a little bit about your experience with the Department of Corrections. Uh, well, I, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps back in 91, um, and one of the biggest things I want to do is I want to get into the police department. But, uh, you know, as I was taking tests and stuff like that after, uh, you know, getting out of the service, I, uh, I, you know, I got into construction. I was doing construction. Always in- interests me. So, um, yeah, it was kind of ironic. I was, uh, the company I worked for, we were, uh, we actually were building Belmont Correctional Institution. Hmm. And I used to joke around in the trailer uh, during the day with the guy saying, hey, uh, you know, wouldn't this be funny if uh, one of us come and got a job here? We're building ourselves a job, you know. So um, as, the, as, as I uh, tried to get into different police departments, I, I decided, well, you know, maybe I can try getting it. I seen a, an ad uh, to come up and take a test for a Department of Corrections. I said, well, what a good stepping stone, you know. So um, I, uh, I took the test and you know, really didn't hear nothing back. Um, I did put Belmont down because I knew it was a prison in my local area and stuff like that. And uh, I did get a call. Uh, I believe it was NCCI. And you know, they called and asked, I said, whoa, I didn't put that down. And they were like, uh, they were like, no, no, we're just calling around for other people to see if we can get people interested and stuff like that. So I declined. And I said, no, nah, I'll wait and see if I get a call for Belmont. Well, lo and behold, I was uh, laid off uh, from the Carpenters Union and uh, got a phone call and they said, uh, so Ohio Correction Assessment Center, and I don't know if you're still interested in coming to working for us. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know? So actually at the time I was in the process of going through uh, with uh, Pittsburgh Police Department. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, after about, I don't know, three or four weeks, you know, started going through the academy and all that, uh, they, um, I actually got a phone call from uh, Pittsburgh to come do a second interview. And you know, after sitting and talking with my wife and stuff, I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. You know, this ain't bad. So I declined that, and uh, you know, and there, there I am. You know, it was uh, 23 years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a it's been a it's been an interesting journey. It really has. Uh, I've got no regrets. Uh, obviously, I'm happy where I'm at because I'm still here. Um, you know, I I was fortunate to be in a in a new prison, so you know, I was able to promote early. And uh, I've been a supervisor for, oh, I don't know, 18, 19 of those mm-hmm. years and uh, met some great people along the way and you know, had some pretty good mentors along the way. So, uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's been it's been a great journey. It really has. So let's talk. You recently won the the Gold Star or were a recipient of the Gold Star Award for the Department of Corrections. And and one of the reasons behind that was you chose to donate a kidney yes. um, to someone that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about that for just a minute. Um, first of all, what made you decide to do that? And what was that process like for you? Well, uh, it, it kind of all started. Uh, you know, um, I had I had lost a few people that were really close to me in my life, um, and you know, as I've said before, that seems to be the big question. You know, why? Why does somebody just wake up? Do you wake up in the morning and go tell somebody? pick up the phone and say, hey, by the way, I want to donate a kidney. No, but um, it was it was kind of close to that. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I lost some people in my life, and one day I just, you know, really started thinking about, you know, these people, how they made a difference in my life. And I thought, 
you know what, how am I going to make a difference in somebody else's life? And uh, so, I, you know, that, that weighed on my mind for several months and stuff like that. Um, well, uh, one day, uh, um, you know, again, I like to tell people, you know, I don't, uh, it wasn't like the skies parted and somebody come down and said, you've got to do this or nothing crazy like that. But uh, I do recall, if I have to pinpoint anything, uh, there was uh, something on Twitter that uh, I read about a lady who got to meet a non-direct donor. Um, and, uh, you know, just her story um, just, you know, really hit me. It hit, you know, and like I said, it was, uh, you know, if you read this and you didn't have a tear in your eye, you know, you weren't human. So after reading that story, uh, I just really started thinking and I'm like, I could probably do this. You know, I mean, I, I've got good health. I've got a good family. You know, I've been fortunate. My kids have grown up, uh, you know, healthy and they're successful in their early years already. And, uh, you know, so I said, there's people out there that aren't as fortunate, you know. So I decided, uh, you know, I might start researching this. So I did. I started doing all the research of it. And, you know, that took some time as well. And I don't know, maybe sometime around March of uh, 17, I think, uh, I think it's what it was, no, 16, I, I decided, well, I don't know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things you don't take lightly. And I, I did talk with my wife and I sat down and, uh, you know, I wasn't shocked by her answer. You know, when I asked her, I said, well, what do you think of this? And she says, uh, she says, that's something you want to do. She says, I don't think it matters what I think. She says, you're going to do it because she says, I know once you put your mind to something, you're going to do it. So uh, she was very supportive. I mean, 100% supportive. My kids were, they were just excited when I told them. Uh, so anyhow, fast forward to about August, uh, I decided to make the phone call. And after I narrowed down the hospitals, I decided to go with Ohio State. And, um, you know, I picked up the phone and uh, it was kind of an interesting phone call. Um, a lady answered the phone and I told her who I was, and I says, uh, you know, I'd like to know about uh, donating a kidney. She's like, oh, well, that's great, this, that, and the other. She started asking me just a couple basic questions, and one of the questions was, who, um, do you have a recipient today? Are they uh, a patient of ours? I says, no. I says, uh, whoever you got at the top of your list. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, when you heard the pause on the other end of the phone, you, you know, this lady's thinking, I got a crazy person on the phone or something like that. Uh, anyhow, she says, uh, let me get you to somebody else. And she did. And uh, that's, that's basically, that's how the process started. Um, you know, I went through uh, a plethora of tests. Uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you the blood test I had to take and, you know, the urine samples and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, I had the big test in October. And uh, we went through, uh, that would have been October 16. Uh, went through all that and everything looked good. You know, and I think my wife even told me, she says, uh, well, one thing you're going to you're gonna find out, even if you don't get to donate, is you're going to find out if you got anything wrong with you. And I never even looked at it that way, but, you know, if you've got cancer or anything mm -hmm. like that, they're going to find out because they test everything. So it was, it, it was kind of a roller coaster, you know, the testing and the, everything was up and down. And uh, Anyhow, we got to about uh, December, and uh, the original nurse who, who takes care of all this had to go out on, on an emergency leave. Uh, so there was another nurse filling in. Well, when we got to uh, right around December, this original nurse, she came back and she said um, she noticed something on uh, my CAT scan. And this is in December. So she asked me to come back and 
she wanted me to take a, uh, an additional CAT scan. She said, I just want to look at something. She says, uh, but she says, I don't think it's nothing, but let's take a peek at it real quick. So me and my wife came back up. We took another CAT scan and stuff and, you know, no big deal. And, uh, you know, went out to dinner, played around in Columbus a little bit and, uh, we're on our drive home and I got a call from the prison said that, Hey, uh, Robin Peterson from Ohio State called for you. And I looked at my phone, I had to ring her off and, uh, here she was on there and I didn't think she'd answer because they usually close at four. And, uh, she, uh, so I called back and she answers the phone. She's all, Mike, I'm glad I got a hold of you. And I said, what's up? And she says, well, she says, we really looked this cat skin over and they, they saw some, some little mass on like a 0.1 centimeter on top of uh, my right adrenal gland. And she says, after talking with Dr. Washburn, she said, uh, it's, uh, we have uh, decided to pull you off the program for now. And I was just devastated, you know, going through months and months of, uh, testing and, you know, really excited because we all, we actually had a date. We had a, we had a date scheduled. It was like December 27th and I really wanted to give it a Christmas. I really did. So I said, well, what do I do? What do I, she says, well, you know, we got to look out for your well being, which, you know, you know, hindsight, I, 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 I respect what they did because, you know, they not only got to look out for the recipient, they got to look out for the donor too. So we went, uh, the next morning, uh, I woke up and, uh, she, Basically, well, what Robin had told me, she said, if you um, you got to go see an endocrinologist, get into one of those. If they will approve you, then we'll put you back in a program. So the next morning, you know, me and my wife sitting there with coffee and everything. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a, a turning point right there. You know, I could have walked away. You know, I, you know, I guess I don't want to call it an excuse, but you know what I mean? I had a reason that I could have just said, you know what? Maybe this ain't meant to be. Well... My wife, that, that was her words. She says, you know, did you ever think that, you know, maybe somebody's telling you something. I don't give up that easy. <laughs> so I get on the phone and I start calling a new chronologist. And this, this is one of those doctors where, you know, and I had a feeling it was going to be where, okay, yeah, we'll get you in, in three months. I think the first doctor I talked to was going to get me, this is December, could get me in the end of February. Hmm. The next one said, uh, yeah, I can get you in early February. Now, the problem was I knew that if this went on too long, that they weren't, um, I would have to start the program over, you know, with all the testing again and everything. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I called the third doctor, and every time I called, I would tell them the story of what I was trying to do. And uh, the uh, the girl on the other end of the phone, she was, uh, she was like, oh, my God, that is just amazing. And she says, my father-in-law is waiting on a kidney. Mm. <laughs> you know, go figure. So she says, can you be here at three o'clock? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, got down there within two weeks. We, we did the testing and again, another run into another wall. Um, well, they didn't exactly tell me what I couldn't do. So I'm sitting around, I had to, you know, I had to do a urine sample for 24 hours. So I had a jug I had to carry around the house and everything. I told my wife, I said, yeah, if I'm going to sit around, you know, I might as well take my jug and I'm going to go sit in a deer blind, you know? <laughs> so I did. I went out. I was I was sitting out in the cold and, you know, and had my jug with me and everything. Um, anyhow, we, we run the test and she says, well, Mike, she says, we got a problem. The the endocrinologist told me this. And she says, uh, she says, these levels are really high right here. And if I send these to Ohio State, they're never going to approve you. And I said, well, I don't know why. And she says, well, did you do this? Did you do that? I says, no, no, I didn't do that. I said, the only thing I did is I went out and 
sat in a deer blind, and she says, you're sitting out in the freezing cold? And I said, yeah. <laughs> she says, we're going to do the test over. <laughs> so anyhow, um, we went, we re redid the test, and everything came back positive. So um, immediately they, uh, they rescheduled me, so I didn't have to go through and not know more of the testing or anything like that. And, you know, it's just funny how things work. Um, you know, I going into it, it was uh, February 3rd of 2017, uh, they did the surgery. Well, the Friday before, I had already been scheduled, and it was a young lady who was supposed to be received. That's all I knew was it was a, a, a female. I was supposed to receive my kidney, and uh, she, um, uh, a deceased donor came in on Saturday. So she got that, she got that kidney. So the following debt or the following week, they reassigned me because they, they get like three or four of them in, in a row. That way, if something like this would happen, um, you know, they, they had another re, uh, recipient. And uh, so, you know, we got up there and the, uh, you know, I can't say enough for Ohio State. I really and truly can't. I mean, they uh, they were just fabulous. You know, I mean, just from from start to finish, uh, the way they took care of you and everything else. Um you know, my wife was telling me some stories, uh, you know, her and my brother-in-law, my family, immediate family was up there at the hospital and they said there, you know, after we went through the, the prep and all that stuff, um, I actually talked to Washburn who oversees the whole, um, transplant, mm -hmm. uh, unit stuff up there was one to perform my surgery. So I know it was in pretty good hands, <laughs> but, uh, she, uh, we, she actually, my wife and all them were in the waiting room and they're looking around the waiting room, you know, trying to figure out. Who, who's the, you know what I mean? Who's the family of who, who's getting this? And uh, my wife said that uh, Deborah, which is uh, Jamie Diaz is my recipient. Um, Deborah Diaz was in the waiting room as well. And uh, she said, my wife said she ran into her at a coffee machine or something like that. I was just standing there, you know what I mean? Just not knowing, but you know, she said just something came about her, you know? So uh, anyhow, we went through the surgery and you know, <laughs> when I woke up, my, the, Biggest thing on my on my mind was, uh, you know, did he take it? You know what I mean? Did his body accept it? And you know, the nurses were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything went good. Everything went well. I mean, he's responding well and everything else. So I was really relieved of that because you know, a lot of the questions they ask you going into it, you know, even uh, you know, you have psychologists coming in and asking you questions and things like that. Uh, you know, they're asking you, you know, so. What happens? At, you know, how are you going to feel with you know the person you give to that don't accept it and they die? You know, how are you going to feel about this? How are you going to feel about that? And I can't control that. You know what I mean? Uh, I can only do what I you know have the power of doing. And you know, and you know, basically rest in God's hands. If you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So uh, anyhow, we uh, you know the surgery was a success. And uh, two days later, um, you know we. They asked both uh, both parties if they wanted to meet, and I got to meet Jamie, and uh, great guy, great great guy. I mean, you know, talk about somebody that's um, really had it rough. You know, if I would have scripted this out myself, I couldn't have picked a better recipient. Uh, Jamie was uh, he suffered from uh, diabetes his whole life, um, had half of his foot was um, amputated. Um, he's uh, my, my advocate did tell me, they couldn't tell me who it was, but they did tell me that it was an individual. They said, you ain't going to get anybody that takes care of themselves any better, which is reassuring to me because, you know, you want somebody that's going to take care of the, the organ you're giving them. They said, this guy does everything, you know, he needs mm -hmm. to do. And uh, anyhow, um, they said, that, well, he just can't get a break. 
So he's getting a break today, you know. So uh, anyhow, uh, meeting Jamie and Deborah, you know, I come to find out, uh, you know, he was uh, he was a preacher in his church. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it just it just it couldn't worked out any better. It, it really couldn't have. Um, you know, I was only up there for a couple of days at the, in the hospital, um, and then uh, went uh, went home. And actually, re- the recovery was, um, you know, a lot faster than I anticipated. It really and truly was. Uh, uh, you know, they, they told me, you know, within two weeks, you're going to feel like going out running again. <laughs> you know, and I did. I mean, it was a painful, sure. You know what I mean? Uh, especially when, because uh, they give you this little pillow. It's a little kidney pillow. And I thought it was just kind of like a prop. <laughs> And they give it to you for a reason. I found that out the hard way. Uh, I was laying in bed in the hospital, and uh, I'm sitting there. If you've ever had your abdomen cut open and you go to sneeze, mm. oh, my goodness. Brought me to tears. I mean, just the pain. And my nurse had asked me, she says, well, did you use your pillow? I said, this thing? You know, with people's signatures on it? And she's like, yeah. And I said, uh, no, what am I supposed to She said, put it on your stomach there and hold it when you feel a cough or a sneeze or something like that. So I learned that the hard way. Mm. Did it help? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it helped significantly. <laughs> so you listened for that pillow. Oh, yeah. I mean, that pillow didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere without that pillow. So, uh, um, yeah, and we started the recovery process, and, and they knew what my goal was. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already had a, a full Ironman scheduled for, for November of that year uh, in Florida. And uh, that was kind of another reason, um, you know, I – I didn't want to feel selfish, but, you know, um, my wife and everybody's telling me, really? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I did. I had a time frame. You know, I knew what kind of time frame I needed to train for this, and I was, it was already paid for and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I was really eager to get back, back into training and stuff. So that was probably one of the harder parts for me okay. was just holding back, holding back. And I felt good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, about two weeks. Two weeks, I, I, I felt great. Mm-hmm. I really did. So, um yeah, I mean that's uh, that's kind of the whole gist of the the story there as far as the surgery goes and everything. Uh, you know, I got back into training. I was I was released April tenth to basically do what I wanted slowly, of course. And they told me they said, "Look, if it starts hurting, stop." You know, common sense. And uh, I, I haven't looked back. I mean, I, I trained all summer long, six days a week. Um, you know, and uh, it's uh, you know it's been it's been enlightening. It's you know, and not everybody could uh, put their feet on the floor. And, and I and I told the director this when he had asked me. Um, you, know, you know, he was just asking me, you know, different questions and stuff like that. And I told him, I said, you know, Mr. Moore, I said, uh, you know, it helped me more than it, you know, more than I anticipated it. Um, you know, I get to put my feet on the floor every morning. You know, knowing I saved somebody's life. You know, I mean, it, it don't get any better. You know, that was the goal. And, to this day, so far, it's, you know, it's come to fruition. So, you know, it's, uh, I got the train throughout the summer. I finished the Ironman in November and actually had my best time ever. Mm. So, uh, a buddy of mine, Jim Everland, he also works for the department. He, uh, he teases me. He says, you'll do anything to get ahead, huh? <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway to cut weight. So. so. And, you know, listen to that story, Captain, and the impact that it had, not just on the individual receiving uh, your gift, but also on you and your family. For, for those folks listening, you know, we, we hear a lot about organ donation. Can you talk about just how important that is? Oh, I, I mean, it's, it's unreal. Um, I'll start by this. You know, I did this 
you know, I, I really tried to keep this. This was probably one of the best kept secrets about one. I mean, in this department, there isn't too many secrets. And I, I purposely didn't told very few people, you know, my immediate family and my personnel director and, you know, my, my immediate supervisors, um, the major and the deputy. Uh, after, beyond that, I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want it to be about me, you know, because it wasn't about me. And as time went on, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't want the, you know, a lot of the accolades and stuff like that, that, that you know, because I know how people are, you know, people, people, you know, they, they want to pat you on the back and stuff. And it's, don't get me wrong, it's so much appreciated. It really is. But I didn't want it to seem like it was about that. Um, so uh, I, uh, as I said, I kept it, I kept it a big secret. But as time went on, um, I, I got a phone call from OSU after the fact, and they asked me if I would be willing to do, uh, um, um, uh, uh, no, it's not a podcast, um, a video. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, I thought about it for a while, and I'm thinking, ah, you know, this, this isn't what I got into this for. But then I thought about it. You know, there's 120,000 people out there waiting on an organ donation. I mean, that is a, that's a lot of people. And 12 people... 12 people die a day waiting on an organ. I mean, that's astronomical. And I thought, I said, you know what? If I could put the word out there, uh, excuse me, and if just one person watches that video mm -hmm. and, you know, they donate and save somebody's life, then it's worth it. So at that point, I did. I, I went up and I, I, uh, I did the video and it was unbelievable. I had no idea it was going to be as, as, <laughs> as elaborate as it was. Um, but I just, I just recently, um, found out and it, it made me feel so good. I went for my, um, my annual, uh, checkup and, uh, Robin Peterson, she was telling me that there was a, there was a gentleman that came in and he's a marathon runner and they were talking, talking and stuff like that. He wants to be a non-direct donor, just like I was. And he, she said his wife was dead set against it. She just was no, 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 no. And Robin says, so what gave you the idea? He says, I watched a video of that guy on that bike. He says, and I said, God, if he could do that and be an Ironman, I surely can do it and run, up, run a marathon. And you don't know how good that made me feel because he, he's doing it. He's, he's going to donate to somebody. And, uh, you know, and it was, I like to think a lot of it was because of my video. So it, it worked. So, you know, uh, again, I just recently saw something where, uh, 10,000 people, um, deceased donors, donated last year, which is an, an increase because, um, you know, as people have it on their driver's license mm -hmm. and stuff like that, um, there was over 35,000 um, organ donations last year, which is, they said this is the fifth time in a row it has, um, the, the record's been broken. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start thinking of stuff like that and you're just like, wow, people are listening. You know, they, they are listening. So, um, you know, the, I, I like to tell people that, um, you know, and I like to emphasize that my life has not changed one bit. I mean, I do the exact same things I did before the donation. Um, I eat the same things. I, I could drink beer. I do that. I do everything the same. There's a few minor things that I, I got to be careful of. Uh, you know, just a couple medications I can't take. But, but other than that, my life has not changed. I don't even know it's gone. Don't even know it's missing. So there, there's so many people out there waiting, uh, you know, and it's it's sad. It's really sad that that there's so many that are waiting, and and 
they don't receive nothing until somebody else passes. So. Well, Captain Rizzo, thanks for sharing your story and, and thanks for the the selfless act and, and the the leading by example that you do in our department. Um, that'll do it for this episode of ODRC Voices. Be sure to check out more episodes on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. Thank you.